Hi, friends. Welcome to the Faithful Podcast, stories of people who walk by faith and gained a fuller understanding of the faithfulness of God. I'm your host, Stephanie Baker. My guest today is my favorite guy, my husband, Phil Baker. Phil is an author, a musician, and a teacher. His podcast, Reclaiming the Faith, explores the writings of the early Christians and how we can take the words of Jesus simply and apply them to our lives. In our conversation, we talk about the various ministerial positions that he and I have served in and what it was like to go through some really tough seasons with various church settings as a couple. Phil and I have very different personality types, and it was really cool to see how these changes affected us differently. So here is my interview with Phil Baker. Phil. (laughs) It's tough. (laughs) Thanks for joining me today. Yeah. I'm excited to have you on my podcast. All right. (laughs) (laughs) This is small potatoes for you because you're a professional podcaster. You are. That would imply that I get paid for it. Oh, no. No, you don't. But you have a whole lot of podcasts that you have recorded and that you've been a part of. Yeah, yeah. Just um, finished episode 90 on my podcast. So. What's your podcast? It's uh, Reclaiming the Faith. It's a podcast with a mission to reveal what the earliest Christians believed about the core issues facing us today. Well, that was a nice little commercial. <laughs> <laughs> well, you came all the way upstairs, upstairs. to the music room and in order our, to record this. We got our carpets cleaned. We got our carpets cleaned, so they're slightly damp. <laughs> yeah, and we got our doggies here with us. Yep, the, pups, and Amos. the yep. pups are nearby. Hopefully they won't get into a little play fight. I know, that's what I'm kind of worried about. We keep them up here so that they, in theory, will stay calm and mm. not bark at all the other outside noises. But yeah, it's always, it's always a possibility that they may attack each other. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> or we'll hear some panting. Yeah, that... It's not me. This is the dog. <laughs> <laughs> How you doing today? I'm good. Yeah? I'm good. Yeah. Got it's been a good day. Early Thanksgiving meal? Yeah. yeah. Got to have um, some good family time today, so that's been good. And Prime time. Prime time. <laughs> <laughs> Bex prime. Bex prime. Yeah. Yeah. At the spot where uh, I proposed to you. Yeah. Not... Actually, at the Bex Prime, but in a like on a pond behind it. Yeah, on a little bridge. It yeah. was nice. It yeah. was. That was many moons ago. Yeah, fourteen, yeah, thir- thirteen years ago. Thirteen years ago. Am I jumping ahead? Yeah, thirteen. A little more years than ago. thirteen. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah. Wow, that's crazy. Years. A so month I, away I, from our thirteenth. I didn't anniversary. say this yet, but oh, I'm sorry. You are my husband. Oh yeah. <laughs> There's that. So that is. Probably important to people for them to know. Yeah. So, Phil, thanks for joining me, and I'm excited to chat. There's a couple of things I really wanted to talk to you about. I've been, you know, knowing you for a little bit. Know you pretty well, I would say. Fairly well. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, 13 years of marriage. Almost. Yeah, almost. I mean, it's like less than a month away. Yeah. Or right at a month. Right. We've been through a lot together, yeah. and um, I'm excited to kind of share a little bit about that and have you talk about 
what it's like from your perspective. And then hopefully I can kind of share some of my perspective on things because, you know, going through it together as a couple was was really important. So mm. that's that's kind of something I wanted for you to share with those that are listening. So first, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well. Other than being my husband. Oh. <laughs> you beat me to it. Yep. Well, I'm also a father of two children. Yep. Yeah, that we adopted together. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> Our son's 17, daughter's 11. Man. I'm glad we had a teenage son but before, before a teenage daughter. That was a little bit easier for me. <laughs> um, I uh, did the uh, whole Baptist walk the aisle, get dunked thing when I was seven. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know if it took or not, but... Uh, <laughs> By the time I was 16, I was very much aware uh, that I was a sinner in need of a Savior. I didn't really, I don't think I really believed that mm-hmm. uh, when I was younger, though there's never been a point in my life where I uh, doubted that God exists and doubted um, that His Son Jesus died for us on a cross, rose again. Um, I've never, I've been in, never been in a place that I can remember where I doubted that. Yeah. But uh, it was almost like, you know, I was doing God a favor when I was seven. You know, I'm coming over to your team. You know, what's up? Um, that kind Star of a thing. Player. So it's pretty, pretty, uh, pretty jacked up. But um, 16 at a Young Life camp, felt like I re- started to understand the gospel better. Um, though, <laughs> I guess more of that's yet to come. Um, but yeah, and that started me on a good road. It was kind of rocky home life for a while. Um, had a rough first couple of years of college, and toward the end of that, what would have been my sophomore year, but was still my freshman year by a long shot. Um, I uh, got taken under the wing of a guy named Mike Satterfield, who is a he's a fabulous um, evangelist speaker. Um, does stuff all over the country. Look him up, check him out, invite him to your church, have him speak. <laughs> he's he's awesome. He is. Um, there are different Mike Satterfields. He's African-American, and I'm on his friends list on Facebook, so that's how you would know. So they'd have to add you first. Or, or you, if they're friends with you, because yeah. you're friends with him too. Yeah, or they could, I think he's got a ministry page. Yeah. I think it's called... Mike Satterfield Ministries, maybe? Or Fields of Grace. I think that's the old one. Oh, okay, sorry, don't go there. Yeah. I'll... I'll maybe figure it out by the end. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll He's put it in the though. show notes. Um, you should have him on the show sometime. That would be I pretty sh- awesome. Yeah, I should. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, he took me under his wing and basically taught me how to lead worship. I've been playing in bars for the last several years with my brother at that point. Um, and uh, yeah, so God just kind of started giving me opportunities to lead worship Um a lot of different types of churches around the city. And after about a year, I felt God calling me into ministry, uh, whatever that meant. Um, back then was like a vocational type of thing. Got lots of opportunities, played a lots, of, lots of places, lots of different types of events. Um, got into HBU, Houston Baptist University, uh, really did, uh, established a love for the Bible there. Um, a love for reading, uh, academic career really started to take off, which was cool. 2004, um, 
Got to take a mission trip to Swaziland, Africa, which was awesome. That was the first time really being away from my family for an extended period of time outside of Texas. It was a month-long trip to Swaziland, and it was great. Got to see things um, that you read about in the Book of Acts that my church at the time was was uh, telling me that um, did happen back then, but was only for that time. So that really started challenging my Christian worldview, my biblical worldview, that uh, maybe yeah. everything that happened in Acts could happen today. Mm. And um, got into ministry uh, really the week after getting back. I was offered a job a couple of days before I left for Swaziland for that month at a, at a Baptist church as a student pastor. So got back and uh, got into ministry in a really affluent uh, area of Houston, kind of over near where like Roger Clemens and Mary Lou Retton live. And that was kind of weird because I was coming from the most extreme form of poverty and disease and all that that I'd ever been around to then go into one of the most affluent areas in, um, in Houston. And um, so that was rough. That was a rough adjustment for me. Um, also had a failed engagement during that time. Praise God. Um, <laughs> yes, praise God for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and um, after a couple of years, I wanted to go to seminary. And that particular church wasn't going to help me financially. And um, we had an acqu- uh, a shared friend mm-hmm. uh, that played bass. So I was playing bass for me. And he said, the, your church mm-hmm. had an opening there. So I had a conversation with um, the pastor at that church where we met. Really great guy. A uh, guy that's been a very godly influence uh, in, in my life, in your life, in your family's mm-hmm. life. Um, just a solid, solid Christian man. And he offered me the job, and um, so started up there in September 2006. Yep. Yeah, and uh, then I guess we don't have to go into the whole story of, do you want to go into the story? No, of? <laughs> we're going to spend too long. Okay, okay. Maybe another time. All right, all right. Talking about like uh, how we met pre-face-to-face meeting. Yeah. MySpace stuff. Old MySpace. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But uh, we met um, on Thanksgiving break, and I thought you were a a student. I thought Uh you were a student visiting. Yeah. And I asked you what grade you were in, and you're like, grade? (laughs) I'm a grown woman. (laughs) Yeah. I'm a senior at LaSalle in Philly. Okay. And uh, you teach with my father. Mm Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah, your dad was the chairman of the deacons and also helped out with the crazy high school boys teaching a class. And your dad and I had become pretty fast friends before you and I met, and um, your mom as well. And uh, so that was really cool. Uh, December comes around, and we're hanging out some more in groups with your sister Mm -hmm. and friends, and that was really neat. I'm getting into, like, our story, which is fine, I guess, right? I guess so. <laughs> yeah, we we're doing like a lot of long distance communication, mm-hmm. a lot of email, a lot of phone conversation. And um, so I think around April, we talked about how it would work being like boyfriend and girlfriend. Yeah, with me being yeah. on the other side of the country. Yeah. In Philadelphia. And then you came back after school was out in May and proposed in July. 
Who proposed? I proposed. Oh, I thought you said I proposed. <laughs> no, I just yeah. said proposed. Oh. Yeah, yeah, in July, and we were married in December because your uh, your sister had to go back to Africa where she's a missionary. Yeah. So we had to we had, had this timetable. Time it was either going to be like a five month engagement or a year and five month engagement. Yeah. And we took we the five about month. That. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, now around that time, I started getting. Uh, introduced a little bit to the early Christian writings. And that began to rock my world because I was in seminary and I had a, a theological degree from, you know, Baptist University and I had not been exposed to those early Christian writings. I'd been exposed to some of the earlier heresies in the church, but not like what they really stood for. And the more I got into that, the more it really shook me. It was yeah. kind of a grieving experience and we uh, we all we started teaching some of that stuff, you know, yeah. like that what Jesus said is what he meant mm-hmm. stuff, and that seemed to get us in some trouble. Yeah, I don't know where you want us to go from that point because I know we talked about like moving churches and all that. So mm-hmm. I'm gonna pause right there. Though I will, I, I'll say I teach special ed right now, yeah, which is cool. Not in in full time ministry anymore, though we still do ministerial work. Mm-hmm. You and I both do with our podcasts and uh, my work also with Omega Frequency, um, BDK and Kurt, those yeah. guys over there. You teach Bible awesome. study. Yeah. Periodically, you get to lead. Get to lead, you get to preach group. at yeah. different places. Yep. Mm-hmm. Leading so, a lot of worship. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that's cool. So at the church we met, you. Um, you actually started as a youth pastor, like you talked about, and then you kind of transitioned into a couple of different roles. Um, what was that experience like for you? Yeah, so um, after a couple of years there, maybe like three years, the pastor decided to make a switch to more of a modern worship service, worship style. Yeah. And so... Um, I started doing that, mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, and youth ministry still, like overseeing the youth ministry while trying to help some of the people I'd been discipling take more of a leadership position. Yeah. And then started doing college ministry stuff as well. Mm-hmm. And then eventually got completely out of youth ministry when our pastor went to a different church, mm-hmm. and I was asked to also be the interim pastor. And um, that was around January, I believe, Yeah. Uh, of 2012. Mm-hmm. I, I just want to stop you real fast because no, I remember ahead. when you felt like, you know, this, this opportunity was opening up for you to do something other than youth ministry. And in my head, I kept thinking, I want to keep doing youth ministry. And like that... That was something I was really passionate about. And so it was a kind of a grieving process for me. Mm. Not that I had to leave the youth ministry completely, but my role was going to change some. And it needed to, to kind of help. I mean, we, we function a lot of the time as a team. Yeah. And so to be able to to do that, we had to kind of transition out of that. And that was really hard for me. Like I, I kept thinking I signed on to be a youth pastor's wife. What is this? But um, it was really cool to watch you at the same time sort of grow into these different roles that, um, I mean, I'd seen you 
lead worship for the youth, but for the church now and trying to bring people on board that maybe had a very different um, feeling about how worship should be. Um, and, you know, you couldn't, you couldn't provide those things that, that they wanted. And that, and I mean, it wasn't like it was an easy process, any of the, any of the steps along the way, there was a lot of difficulty. Um, I don't know, for me, it was really hard um, hearing people, because this was like my church I grew up in, and to hear people be, say anything negative, either about you or about me, was really, really hard. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I could have been more perceptive and sensitive toward that. I think I was being a little bit more self-centered in uh, those attacks yeah. that came our way. Um, different rumors and stuff, and um, I wasn't really thinking more about like how this would be affecting you in a grieving process that you'd be going through. I think back then, I really had this um, identity, my identity wrapped up in ministerial roles, and um, it's almost like you're you know, you're climbing this this ladder, uh, this natural ladder that a lot of people try to climb like it's it's natural to start as a youth minister and then mm-hmm. to move to a, the next position and the next position you know go to college then go to you know lead pastor or something like that yeah. and um so i think i was more wrapped up in um how this is almost th- those attacks that we encountered mm-hmm. you know this is this is trying to keep me from where God has called me to be. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so I think I could have handled that a whole lot better um, in our relationship. Uh, yeah. Mm. Um, so you took over this position of interim pastor, and um, it, was, it was kind of ex- exciting in a way because this was my church that I had grown up in, and I was thinking, okay, they really, they want him to be the pastor. The This pastor search committee had made their selection and they brought it before the church. And we knew that there were people who didn't like certain things about, um, I guess, the way that, you know, we felt church should be. And um, so there was a vote and you didn't get the position. And that was probably one of the craziest things I've ever felt because I felt like this was my home. This was my place. Even when I was in college, this was my home church. And to see that happen felt like a rejection. And I I know having watched the life of Jesus's disciples, that when we as followers of Jesus are rejected, if we're trying to be obedient to Jesus, they're not rejecting us, you know, and it's, we've never been promised that it's going to be an easy road, but what was it like when that vote came out for you? Um, yeah, it was, it was pretty, uh, it was pretty crushing in one regard, but we, you know, we have all these different, um, protective, 
safeguard uh, coping devices built into us. Yeah. You know, when some kind of trauma happens, a lot of times we can just like, I can just deaden myself to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether that be through like hope, like, oh, this is opening up a different opportunity. It's almost like a, okay, so this is actually going to be great. It's reframing thing. it. Or it's it, there could be like, y'all are dead to me. You know, not that it, that would ever be said or anything, but that those can be some of the emotions there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there was a feeling that <laughs> is going to be kind of uh, ironic, I guess, but that the election was rigged, you know, <laughs> in certain <laughs> kind of ways. Yeah. Um, but before that vote happened, Various people from the from the church were like, you know, if you don't get it, we're gonna follow you wherever you go. What are you gonna do if um, if the people vote no? And I remember at the time just kind of reacting and being like, well, I, I'll just start a church out out of my house, you know. Like I had been thinking mm-hmm. about the anti Nicene stuff, the early Christian stuff, and how they weren't in buildings; they were just meeting in homes. Mm-hmm. So it's like, well, I'll just start a church. And um, several people gravitated toward that. Yeah. And um, the week after the vote, I think there were like a little bit over 20 people or so in mm-hmm. our home just expecting to do church. And it yeah. was kind of, what do we do? Well, I guess, <laughs> well, we lead worship. Yeah. You know, we have some slides ready. We have singing time. Maybe we take communion. Maybe we um, have food for fellowship. And gotta have that um, food. We're gonna have Bible study, mm-hmm. but it's not gonna be so much a a message, uh, like a sermon. Yeah. We'll have more interactive stuff, and then we'll do some more singing, and then we'll eat more <laughs> and go home. Yeah, right. Um, and that was okay with folks for a while. After a while, some people were like, you know, well, when are we going to move into a building? Mm-hmm. And we started growing. I remember um, it was probably, I think it was the second, maybe it was the first. I don't, you, you tell me which one is correct. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it, was a, it was an Easter. Yeah, I think it was the first one. That, that we, we had like, like 50 people in our house. Yeah, our little three-bedroom house. Insane. Yeah. And that was like the, what we thought was like the confirmation that God wants us to get into like a school. Yeah. So now we have to get a PA system and, you know, all of this Mm -hmm. equipment, signs, Mm -hmm. all kinds of stuff to really start advertising and all of that, business cards. I think we also were in the process of adopting and are leading Uh a church out of our house was next to impossible. We'd have to get background checks on anybody that visited um, yeah. if it was going to be in, if they were going to be in our home, mm-hmm. like on a regular basis. And so from a practical standpoint, we were like, we can't just, <laughs> we can't expect people not to bring visitors without a background check. Like that's not feasible. Yeah. So it was, I mean, it was, it seemed like it was pointing there to move to a school. Not to, uh, <laughs> not to, intentionally plug the show but um the the guy i just interviewed his name is daniel willis and Mm -hmm. uh, he was a missionary in china for several years with his wife and and kids and um when he was starting a house church out there one of the things that he did because 
people were just hungry for the Bible. And so instead of trying to preach or do a Bible study, what they did once a week was just read through a book of the Bible. Mm. So like I believe the first week they read through, I think it was Luke or something like that. Wow. And they just read it and it took like four hours. Mm -hmm. And then the people that same night were like, well, let's read another book. Going straight through the Bible. Yeah. But that was such a blessing to them because they're getting everything in context. They're not having someone tell them what the context is, Mm -hmm. interpreting it, all that kind of stuff. They're just reading it straight through. The whole thing all right there. And then the question at the end will be like, how can we apply some of this stuff to our lives? Yeah. Just powerful stuff, and it grew and grew. And that's how I think we should have done things. Mm -hmm. If we're really going to be a Bible church, why are we not really reading the Bible all the way through? Why are we focusing more on our voices Mm -hmm. and our thoughts instead of what God's thoughts are? So that's something I really regret. I do regret moving into um, buildings. Yeah. You know, instead of keeping it in houses and just multiplying the houses. Yeah. You know, I think that would have been a much better way to go. I don't regret that time at all with those people. Oh, no. That was an incredible four years, basically, of our lives. That was incredible. Those people are like family still. Mm -hmm. Um, But, yeah. Yeah. So, we moved to a a school, and Mm. we were there for a while, and then we went back to houses and um, then I guess it wasn't too terribly long after that that you started to feel that maybe God didn't want you in this kind of role anymore. What what, what or, was going or on? Or never did. Or maybe never did. I don't know. But uh, Yeah, so I was outside scooping our dog's business. And, <laughs> you always uh, have to throw that part in. It's, Don't need to tell it makes story. for a great story. Yeah, I'm out there with the pooper scooper, you know? Yeah. And we had a big yard. Yeah. So it takes some time out there being one with nature. And uh, it was just like I, I felt God telling me to um, leave your father and mother and go to the land I'll show you. Yeah. I mean, that, that passage out of Genesis where God's talking to Abraham. Not trying to call myself Abraham or say that that passage applied to me. It was just a passage that popped into my brain. Mm-hmm. And I felt like God was telling me that I needed to consider leaving the church, stepping down as a pastor. Yeah. And so I believe I talked to you and I asked you, and correct me if I'm wrong, I asked you if you felt like God had called me to be a pastor. And you told me that you had, that when I was asked to be the interim pastor, of the previous church that you were like, why do you want to do that? <laughs> like, are you sure you're called to that? And I was like, I don't remember that conversation at all, Stephanie. <laughs> <laughs> that part is definitely true that you don't remember conversations that we had. But yeah, I mean, I guess it was sort of, I saw you as a really amazing teacher and I saw you um, able to do so many things, but I didn't necessarily feel like being a head pastor of a church was something that, God called you to, but I mean, I saw you step into that kind of role and you did it 
<laughs> honestly better than a lot of pastors out there, at least that, you know, I've, uh, other than those really great ones that I've been able to be um, under, you, you cared about the people and, um, you know, you did well in the position. And so I understood why the pastor search committee unanimously decided to call you to that. But knowing you and knowing your personality and knowing the things that you're passionate about, I was I was surprised by it. Not that you wanted to teach, because that is part of what pastors do. But it's a small part. It is, but in a lot of churches, that's how they decide who the pastor is. Right? Who's the best speaker? Who mm. who's the most engaging person in this way? And not that that's a bad thing to be an engaging speaker, but it no. was. Yeah, I didn't see the call necessarily to being a pastor, and mm. I think I. I told you that. Yeah. And you were like, <laughs> probably not very bluntly, but very nicely. Like, I, I, I disagree. Or this I think, is back when the original. This was back in like 2012. Yeah. But yeah, it was, I, I didn't necessarily feel like it, but I, but I saw you in the house church role step into a lot of that um, pastoral work and you did it well. Just because somebody can do a job well, though, doesn't necessarily mean that's what God has called them to, right? So when you came to me, I was like, okay, finally, <laughs> we're kind of on the same page with this. And um, yeah, we didn't know what was next. I mean, it was so like when we left the first church, it seemed like it was really obvious the next step. This one was a really big blind step forward. And yeah, it's not something that we just dove into. No, you know, I talked with you. I talked with your dad, mm-hmm. and he kind of voiced some of the same things. Yeah, like I feel you're a good teacher, but I'm not sure that you're actually called to be like a head pastor. Kind mm-hmm. of thing. Talked with some of my friends um, that are in ministry, and they were voicing some similar things, and. Um, so that was that was pretty crushing. That was yeah. kind of a grieving experience because at that point, that was 2000, that was right at the beginning of 2017. It's like, well, I've been in full-time ministry now for 12 and a half years. I I'm not I'm not skilled to do anything else. Yeah. Um I can I, see how you felt that and I can see also how like being a pastor feels like you were like you were talking about this ladder. It feels like the culmination. Like this is what you build toward is some kind of head pastor position. Right. So And if God's called me here, he's gonna grow it and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So that was a pretty um pretty rough time. Um stepping away from that, I didn't wanna you know, the church was paying me like a, a small stipend, mm-hmm. but I didn't wanna keep taking that until I found something else. Right. So I told the church, you know, I'd stay with them for one month to help the transition. And mm-hmm. your dad um, took up the pastoring job of that church mm-hmm. and still does it and yeah. does it very well, yeah. um, which is awesome. And, yeah. you know, he, he's seen them grow in, um, in ways that they hadn't grown yeah. while I was there. And mm-hmm. that's an awesome thing. Um. So for a couple of months, I was without that particular source of income, though I had other sources of income. Yeah. Um, 
but it was still really rough. And then one of your patients, because you were uh, a nurse practitioner at the time in women's health, mm-hmm. one of your patients' uh, husband came along one day, and y'all were talking, and you were friends with this. Should we say who it is? Yeah, she's on the like, show. Joy yeah, Meadows absolutely. was my only guest that's come on twice so far. Yeah. So yeah, she was. I would refer to her as my favorite patient, which was weird. Yeah. And the staff members looked at me like I was strange, but I'm like, I feel like she's my friend. And then lo and behold, she's become one of my best friends. But she, um, she always talked really highly about her church, and she said, you know, we've worked at a lot of different churches or several churches over the years, and this is the first church that we've worked at that we were like, this is a place that even if we didn't work here, we would attend. And I'm like, I, I'm all about like finding a place like that. That sounds great. And they've got, you know, lots of kids, which was another thing about the house church. We really, there were kids that were significantly younger than our kids, but that was, and there were just a few. So I really wanted our kids to have some Some peers. closer to yeah. our daughter's age, but none near our son's age. Yeah. And, um, so I really wanted them to grow friendships with people that like we were, we knew well and that, you know, family friends basically. And, um, so yeah, she mentioned, or I asked her, I think I said, Hey, (laughs) any chance they're hiring at your husband's church? And she was like, I don't know. Um, let me ask him. And then he came in for the next visit with her, like you were saying, and, he was like, and yeah. He's Chad Meadows. Chad. He's been on my show. Oh, he's been. I forgot about that. Yeah, he has yeah. been on your show. So Chad came on or came and he was kind of, I was kind of chatting with him and he said, yeah, we have a position, but it's basically like really, really part time. And I think they wanted like a college kid to do it. And I was like, uh, okay. So he described it and I was like, I think my husband, my husband could totally do this. And would you guys like want to chat sometime? And so you ended up meeting with them and then meeting with the staff at the church. and The pastor, the um, executive pastor in Chad yeah. was the second meeting. So that was, um, that went really well. And they were interested in you and they were talking about, you know, not just this little position that they had initially set in place, but maybe growing it to something bigger and... Um, mm. So we started visiting, and it, it was a place that— The first time we visited, our yeah. boy Dan Enright, <laughs> husband Basically, of, of Jenny Enright. Yeah. They've both been on your show. Dan's been on my show multiple times. <laughs> um, he, he was preaching that first Sunday, mm-hmm. and I was like, man, this is excellent. If, if the teaching at this church from the head pastor is like what Dan is teaching, I'm going to love this place. Yeah. So we started to really set down roots and really um, get established in these friend groups and Bible studies. And um, we just fell in love with the people. And it was really amazing to have a lot of people in our same, I guess, uh, phase of life. A lot Mm. of them had kids around our kids' age and um, just people that loved studying the Bible and um. Yeah, they just they didn't just read the Bible, but they lived it out. Mm. And there are definitely people along the way pre this yeah. church that were awesome. But it was just really incredible to see this concentration of so many wonderful people. And um, yeah, we um, we really started to 
to feel like we could be here for a long time. Mm. And uh, they uh, offered me a position helping out the children's minister yeah. in addition to what I was doing with Chad. Mm-hmm. And um, that was kind of weird. Yeah. Because I'd never done children's ministry before. Yeah. But you were um, great at it. I guess ended up being that way, writing yeah. curriculum, you know, for uh-huh. the children and particularly like the preteens, which was cool. And that family's pretty awesome family of missionaries that's back on the missionary field now. So that's that's really cool. Yeah. So then, I mean, it seemed like it was going chugging along and it was pretty great until there started to be some like warning signs of things that maybe um, maybe were concerning. Um, I don't know. What do you feel like those were for you? Like what started happening that was concerning? Well, Chad was really good with me not bringing me into all of the drama that was evidently unfolding all around him. Yeah. That he was picking up on. Um, and uh, the backlash that he was receiving from trying to address some of this, this mm-hmm. shady stuff. Amos. Um, Come on. So he, though, I guess toward toward the end of 2017, started in veiled terms, kind of letting me know some of the stuff that was going on, but still, like, really trying to protect me, basically, because if I don't know stuff, you know, it's it's better, right. you know. Um, but then I get the the biggest red flag that happened. Um, was in December when he told, when they, Joey mm-hmm. and Chad, told us that they were going to be resigning. Yeah. Um, because stuff had been brought to a head. Mm-hmm. And I won't go into all the details, but some really, really shady, horrible, um, in terms of the treatment of Chad. Yeah. Uh, stuff. Um, and then they left. And then um, that Sunday... You know, even though they had resigned, they didn't have any place to go. You know, kind of like us, but it was <laughs> not being imposed on us. Yeah. Uh, from, um, I was going to say, it was kind of like us just resigning without a place to go from from the previous church that we were at, yeah. where I was pastor. But um, I just remember that the Sunday when they announced Chad leaving, um, that it was told to the congregation that he was going to this new ministry opportunity. Yeah. And that that almost sealed everything for me mm-hmm. in terms of um can I trust this place? Yeah. Um cuz Chad had nowhere to go and they had a brand new baby. Yeah. And they were a, a single income family. Joy single was income family. Stay at home. Uh one one young child and now a newborn like new newborn. Yeah. Nowhere to go, no income, mm-hmm. having to like move back in with her parents. And um, that's not a new ministry opportunity. Right. So that was really tough for me right there. I remember I hadn't cried in a, in a long time. And I remember crying on stage hmm. when, I, when I saw that go down. Yeah. That was really difficult. Um, another warning sign, I guess was that not just seeing the worship leader leave, but then uh, 
other staff members either were fired or resigned as well that I was really close to mm-hmm. and knew their situations and knew that they were doing fantastic jobs. Yeah. And they were fantastic, godly people. Mm-hmm. And that was really um, a big warning sign to me. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, and then uh, after speaking with some um, very seasoned members of the church uh, and painting a picture for them of what was going on, getting godly advice from them about how to confront some of these issues mm-hmm. um, and believing it to be done in such a way that it would be well-received. Yeah, you were and really he, careful with trying to follow the Yes, example. and kept from the, uh, the membership on purpose, but it was not well-received. Um, the things that had been preached uh, concerning how Discipline should be, mm-hmm. you know, carried out. That was not carried out on the other end. Um, on our end, it was carefully, carefully followed. Yeah. And it was just not received at all. Mm-hmm. And so um, that was really difficult um, and chose to resign rather than stay there. I feel like I sh- should have resigned a long time before that. But, you know, being a, being a father... Yeah. Um, I think there's a tendency for for us and moms to sometimes put the need to provide financially for our family over what the Spirit might be telling us to do. Right. And that's a tricky line to walk mm-hmm. because we are supposed to provide for them. But we're also supposed to um, show them what faithfulness looks like. Yeah. To God, above everything else. No other gods before me, behind me, around me, wherever. Yeah. And we had all these friends there too, mm-hmm. and really trying to believe the best. That was a really difficult time again um, for, for you and for me. I know like you had been voicing a lot of concerns for longer than I was. Yeah. Um, but also, you know, you don't want to uproot the kids again. Yeah. And that would be really difficult. Mm-hmm. And like I said, we have so many friends. Yeah. Well, there were a lot of things in my mind at that time. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I tend to be the type to believe the best about people, but I know that you are the person I can trust more than anybody. And so, like, I, I'm hearing things come from your mouth, and I'm like, I can't reconcile this with what I want to believe about staff and leadership. And um, so that was really tough. But I know I was in your ear, like, please don't leave this job while you've got it. I mean, we, you know, wait till we find you find something else. And um, I'm sure I I kept that up for a while <laughs> because that's my tendency. Like, I, I, I don't want to create problems. And I... I mean, I think I'm not alone in this, but, you know, there's there's a lot of temptation to hold on to that security. And um, your personality is obviously very different from mine. You you tend to be maybe, I don't want to say like impulsive because that has a negative connotation, but maybe maybe it's just more obedient. You're more quick to act, more decisive, I guess, is the 
In the face of injustice. Yeah. Particularly when I see it concerning my friends. Yeah. If I know injustice is happening to my friends, I will be a pit bull. Yeah. Um, Just as stubborn as possible. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, To try to see wrongs righted. Mm -hmm. Trying to do it in a godly way. And that's, I I really appreciate, like I said earlier, um, some of these really seasoned people that are so humble. And so godly guiding us, letting mm-hmm. them take the take the lead, basically. But me and another being like the focal point of who's bringing it, yeah. bringing up these issues to yeah. the elders. Yeah, it was it was really hard feeling like such a target of so much hatred in that time, and not, but definitely not by the majority of people, but by those. And we were painted in a really bad. Light and that's that's really hard for me because I want to <laughs> I want to keep people happy. I'm a people pleaser, and well, I was asked yeah. to to like repent, um, basically saying that the things that we had brought up before the elders were all lies, but they weren't. Right. I mean, we had almost twenty pages of documentation. Yeah. Um. And um, I'm not about to do that. I'm not about to yeah. to lie to keep mm-hmm. my job. And so I resigned the next day. And I know that was really hard for you. Mm-hmm. It was hard for me too, but uh, harder for you. Yeah. Um, I remember being at work and getting a text that was like, I've been basically instructed by some friends that are, I trust that I need to resign and I'm like, what? I'm at work, and this is happening now. And that was a pretty panicky moment for me. And I'm not proud of how much anxiety was in me in that. Because now on the other side of it, I know that trusting God to meet all of our needs and to provide is never foolish. It's always the better way to go. But yeah, there was plenty of anxiety in that time. Yeah, and it's kind of crazy. You know, I was really believing that God was going to get me into something kind of quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, I was thinking, you know, I would I would be able to get it like a Bible teacher job or something like that. Yeah, and got very close to getting a Bible teacher job, mm-hmm. but. Um, that didn't happen. And so it's kind of like scrambling. I got to find some way to provide. And um, so you encouraged me to get my teaching certificate mm-hmm. and started doing that, the emergency certification or whatever. Alternative. Yeah, there yeah. you go. And uh, lots of different types of positions, but eventually a special ed position at your school, which is now our school, mm-hmm. opened up. And I thought it was for students that were like already graduated in special ed, but that would like teach them life skills. And I'm like, well, that's, that sounds pretty cool. Yeah. And I showed up to the interview and they were like, well, that's not the position you're going to be interviewing for today. <laughs> <laughs> and it was kind of interesting because I, I needed a job. You know, I'd, this yeah. was in at the end of August and I had resigned from that church 
uh, at the end of March. Mm-hmm. And that's by far, I've, I've never been without any, you know, a particular type of income. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like, that's crazy. That was really difficult. Um, yeah. And so I, I felt pretty desperate. And I'm like, well, what am I interviewing for? You know, and they told <laughs> me. And um, evidently did pretty well in the interview. Mm-hmm. Though I'd had no idea what I was actually getting myself into at all. Yeah. Even though they explained it, I didn't really understand it. But by the grace of God, passed the different um, test. Yeah, yeah, certification tests. I don't know how that happened because I passed three of them in like a two-week period. Yeah. you took all these tests. <laughs> I don't know how that happened. That's Steph. God. That was crazy. Yeah. Um, and then first day of work, one of the students tried to fight me. <laughs> During a fire drill. You had some experience with that before from youth ministry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it was just, just crazy, but um, still doing that job. Yeah. And I was second year, and uh, I've been told that I'm pretty good at, at it. Oh, I, I, don't think think so. I'm, I don't think I'm great at the paperwork side of it. Yeah. But because um, it's extensive. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've been able to see God do some pretty, pretty interesting interesting and remarkable things. Yeah. Surprising things and I do have a lot of fun. Yeah. Um there so and we get to eat lunch together every day. Every day. I never thought ever that I would be a school teacher. I was told that I would end up doing that by a previous counselor and I like laughed at him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I remember that. And um <laughs> So, here I am. Yeah. Where do you want to go next? So, um, I'm curious from your perspective, what are some things in all, in these various job transitions that you feel like I did well? I promise I'm not fishing for a compliment. I'm legitimately curious what, what you feel like was something I did well, so I can kind of focus on those kind of things. So yeah, you know, I think you were very patient with me. I think um you're very encouraging. Um you know, kind of gently guiding me toward the school route thing. Um trying to help me stay motivated to get the coursework done. Giving me time to express myself creatively. Yeah. Cuz I was doing a whole lot of writing. Uh, songwriting during mm-hmm. that time. And that's really important for me mm-hmm. just to be able to, it's almost like therapy for me. Um, and so a way for me to, to express things that maybe I don't know how to say, Yeah, but I can, I can emote them almost. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, there were plenty of times where I I was really praying, like, God, help me to, to help motivate Phil in the right way. Because I know that my tendency could be maybe to push too hard. And anytime you push anybody too hard, they're just going to shut down. That's not, that's not how we get people to move forward. I mean, you've got to 
help them and be there with them. And it, there were times where it was just sort of like sitting with you and letting you be sad because so much of your identity and so much of my identity was wrapped up in being a certain in a certain kind of position at a church. And so to be not in that role and to not really have like a church that we were super involved in. I mean, we had a church that we found that basically a bunch of people that we knew previously were attending together. And God was very for- or very kind to us, and we were very fortunate to, to have that. But it wasn't the same, not being involved in the same way. But we had our small group, and that was a big source of support. And God met our needs in incredible ways through that time. Like, we even were able—we had no income coming in from you. Well, we had you had your side stuff that you were doing, but basically we lost a whole bunch of income— but we were still able to go to Mozambique and see my sister. Yeah, some really generous people in the oh, body yeah. of Christ helped us. Yeah, um, anonymous, like money in the mail, mm-hmm. which I'm not sure how safe that is, but it was incredible. I mean, it was, God just blew me away. All my fears were, I'm like, gosh, I'm so stupid. I'm so sorry, God, for not trusting you. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so... Um, what are things that I could have done better to support you in that time? You don't have to name, number off a hundred of them. I'm sure there's well, plenty. Well, if I was going to start with one, yeah, because that's where you normally start. Usually. Um, I would have said, uh, giving me more back rubs. <laughs> you don't have to make jokes about this, Phil. Who said I'm making a joke? Oh, you think that's what I should have done for real? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Got a lot of tension in, your in neck. my neck. Oh. My shoulders. I'm sorry. And you, you know, you got strong hands. <laughs> Gosh, that doesn't sound like a compliment. <laughs> oh, um, I don't know. I can't really think of anything right now. Can you think of something that you should have done better? I think I could have been less fear-based. And I think okay. I, 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 you said that you think fear kept you at the church longer than you needed to be. And I think that I was that voice of fear. A lot of the time, <laughs> I think I was wanting to keep stability for our kids. And I mean, I say it's for the kids, and I'm sure it's me too. But, you know, um, yeah, I could have I could have supported you more from the beginning and just said, all right, what's God calling us to do? Let's let's spend some time praying about this and let's just let's just do it. Don't let fear get in the way. Now, does that mean? That that's always the next step. There's a problem. Walk away. Probably not, but I think I could have. I could have trusted God a whole lot more in that time. Okay. <laughs> I'll take your word for it. Yeah, I don't know. Um, so, what are some warning signs that you would just encourage people to maybe watch out for? having been through some difficult stuff. Warning signs for what? I guess if you're a church member. Okay. What maybe to look out for? <sighs> yeah. Uh, first one would be look out for carnality. All right. Um, the church is a spiritual entity. Mm-hmm. It's the body of Christ. And yeah, that's physical. You have people. This is a work begun by the Holy Spirit. And 
what's begun by the spirit are we supposed to perfect by the flesh? Mm. You know, um, the Holy Spirit is the one that draws people. The Holy Spirit is the one that transforms lives. God's word doesn't return void. You know, all of these truths that we know from the scripture. And if a church is relying on carnal means to grow a spiritual entity, there's not going to be real transformative stuff happening there. And so you got to really watch out for um, the church trying to use means of the world to build the church. Yeah, we're not a business. The church isn't. That's another thing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Speaking of that, ask the church for uh, financial statements for detailed financial statements. And if they won't give you detailed financial statements, you got a real problem on your hands. Yeah. Um, look at the church's giving. Look at how much they actually give toward missions. And look how that's broken down. Mm-hmm. Is it actually going to missions or is it called missions, but it's not actually going to missions? Okay. Uh. Another thing would be um, the cult of personality. Yeah, what do you mean by that? Is it revolving around a personality? Mm. Is the church reliant upon a particular, you're talking about engaging speakers. Mm -hmm. Is it focused on one person? Yeah. Uh, Like we have a church here, like one church, seven locations or five locations or whatever it is. Yeah. Faces on billboards and stuff like that. If Mm -hmm. that person wasn't there, what would happen? You know, look out for that. Um, I think those are those are three. What about if you were a staff member? Mm-hmm. What do you think? Because I mean, I I know that you have served. We've you know as a couple, we've served at three different churches, and um, and it's hard when one of you maybe sees something and the other one doesn't. But what, what, what should they be looking out for? What makes the um, people in charge angry? And what makes the people in charge happy? Okay. Pay attention to those things in staff meetings. Like what really angers those in leadership? And what really causes the people in leadership to celebrate? Not what they say, but just like when they're not being watched, you know, or when they're behind closed doors, when people aren't, when they're being themselves. When they're not on the stage. Uh-huh, when they're not on the stage, um, when it's not official. Mm-hmm. Pay attention to those kind of things. How much do numbers drive the decision-making? Um, how much time is spent in prayer behind decisions? Who is making the decisions? Yeah. How much time is spent talking about how to meet the needs of the people versus how to grow the church bigger. Mm. If we're called to be pastors, it's to shepherd the flock, to take care of the flock. And if there is not quality time spent in every meeting talking about how to nurture and care for the flock, we've confused our role. If there's not quality time spent in prayer, seeking God's face, Rather than just tagging on a prayer at the beginning or end, yeah, or there's a problem. talking a lot about prayer. Yeah, saying we're going to pray, but pray, but spending the majority of time talking about what prayer is and not actually praying. Yeah, um, that's a big pet peeve of mine. 
it's I've been it's it's not one particular church. It's been you know a theme in a lot of churches that they talk about how important prayer is, and that's exactly what they do is they talk about it. And then the time that's actually spent in prayer is pretty minimal sometimes, and it shows where we really are putting our trust. Yeah, yeah. And the last thing I would say is watch the people at the top. Are they the biggest servants, or do they lord lord their authority over people? Will this pastor clean a toilet, or will he just complain when the toilets aren't right? Right. And complain to the cleaning people or complain to the person who's overseeing the cleaning people or will the pastor clean the toilet himself and not say a word about it? You know, that's something that we were talking about uh, the pastor of the church that you and I met, uh-huh. where you and I met, um, how godly that person is. Um, that man will do the lowest job. Yeah. And joyfully. With a mm-hmm. smile on his face, not complaining in the least bit. That was a very impactful lesson that he taught mm-hmm. without saying a word right. about it. He modeled that, taking the trash out to the dumpster and talking with students along the way. Like, come help me with this. Yep. I totally agree You know, with that. just 100% a servant. And the greatest of all is a servant of all. Yeah. You know, that's how you know... That's how you know when you have a good pastor. Yeah. That humility. You know, maybe they're an awesome speaker, maybe they're not, but how humble are they? Hmm. Yeah. I think back to the guy that you mentioned earlier that you were... <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> it's the chair, I promise. <laughs> the guy you mentioned earlier, his um, church in... Or the gathering of people. I don't know if they'd even call it a church in China. Mm. And somebody just read through a book of the Bible and they talked about what I guess stood out to them from that. That doesn't take an engaging personality at all Mm -mm. to lead a read aloud session. Right. The church is profoundly impacted by that. And I think that I mean, I think we, I don't know. I don't know how to put it into words, but the church in America can sometimes lose their, they get jaded to the teaching of scriptures. And we think that you can't just read a passage and kind of let it sit. You have to have a message planned out from that passage instead of like, what is God speaking through his word and allowing people to to share or or just letting it yeah to sink letting it sink in because yeah the his word is living and active it's not something that's a history book that we're reading through or a, or a piece of literature it's so much more powerful than that and i really love when i do see a church that values it like that yeah and one of the main messages that you hear in our culture is believe in yourself <laughs> And yeah. that's probably the biggest problem with the American church. If I could narrow it down to one thing, we believe in ourselves way more than we believe in God. Yeah. That's not the world I'm talking about. That's the church yeah. in America. 
Well, I'm I'm curious what it's like for you now, Phil. You are no longer working in vocational ministry, and um, you do attend churches, um, you know, on a semi-regular basis. What what has that been like for you? Weird, <laughs> in one sense, yeah, but so freeing in another sense. Mm-hmm. When I was in vocational ministry, and I'd go to a Christian concert or visit another church or something like that, um, I would want to be on stage. Yeah. And, um, you know, taking part in it. And that was still there um, for the first several months um, after leaving our last church. Mm-hmm. The more I've been away the less I want to be on stage. Yeah. Um, I still love to speak. And if someone asks me to speak, I will gladly do it. Mm-hmm. Same with leading worship. They ask me to do that. Uh, absolutely. Um, I will help out. But I don't have the craving to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of, that's weird. That's weird. Yeah. Because since I was 16... I've 15. I've wanted to be on stage. Mm-hmm. It's a really weird time in my life. But like I said, it's freeing. I have so much more freedom. I feel so much more free right now in my podcast. Yeah. And my music to to say what I feel like God wants me to say without having that little twinge of fear. Um what are people going to do if I you know, yeah. will I lose people? Mm-hmm. Or will you get a reprimand? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I have to say one thing that's really stood out to me is the difference in our relationship. At the end of your time at our previous church, I think that was the, the hardest time for me in our marriage. I don't know about you, but like for me, I felt like... I was a jerk. <laughs> your words, not mine, but... Yeah. You were hard to be around at times. So angry. Yeah. I mean, it was just like, you know, then you've used this expression, and I think it's from Dwayne Brooks, maybe that yeah. you bump, when, you, when you're bumped, you spill what you're filled with. Yeah. I mean, it would take no kind of bump to get just anger out of you. And, um, and I try to be a pretty upbeat and positive person, and that was really challenging in that time. And it was, yeah. Yeah. And I, and I, and I, yeah, I tried to extend the grace to you that I was, that I would want if I was in your situation. I knew you were under immense stress and like critique and just feeling very conflicted all the time because you knew of wrongdoing that was happening and you didn't know what to do with it, at least at the point that I'm referring to. But knowing about stuff that you knew had to be addressed, but it was really, really tough on everybody. And so I guess kind of just circle back to that idea of things, you know, like maybe if you're a couple in ministry or if this is somebody that's in ministry that's listening, um, I hope that if if there is a part of ministry where you are becoming the person that you don't want to be or that's not pleasing to God, that you take a step away 
for a period of time. That doesn't mean forever. Um, and I don't know what God has for you specifically in the future. And I know that you have a passion for teaching Bible and for leading people. And I hope that you get to continue to do that. But I think it was really a time of healing for us to get out of that and to not seek to be in that kind of position again. And um, most of our friends who have left that similar environment have done the same. And um, yeah, it takes time to heal from trauma. And I think people, when they hear the word trauma, they picture like somebody getting like physically abused or going to war or something like that. But it it can be this steady, repetitive, like beat down that you receive, whether that's mentally or verbally or whatever it is. And I think that's what you endured. And I think that's why it was so, it was hard to be around you sometimes. If I, can I jump in real quick? Yeah, sure. For, for me, I think the majority of the trauma was an inner conflict, an inner beat down. Because in my personality, when I see injustice, like I was saying earlier, mm-hmm. particularly toward a friend, I can't stay there. Yeah. I can't, I have to move. Mm-hmm. It's like, and I'm not comparing myself to God, okay? <laughs> but like when, when, when in Habakkuk, when, it, when, God, or when Habakkuk says to God, like your eyes are too pure to look on sin. My eyes are not that pure. Yeah. But um Basically, what he's saying is not not that God can't see it, but that God can't see it and not do something about it. Mm-hmm. When I see something happening to my friends, I I have to do something. And I felt like I was having to not like to to squash my personality, yeah, to squash that in me for the sake of a paycheck, mm-hmm. and that was causing an inner conflict in me that was just unbearable yeah and that spilled out Mm -hmm. and i'm sorry about that you know um i really am yeah i didn't know what to do yeah you know because i had i I needed resolution and praise god that god brought (laughs) my mentor into my life yeah you know and God gave you an amazing counselor in that time. And mm-hmm. still, somebody who's very near and dear to us mm-hmm. that's <laughs> seen every member of our family at different times, but yeah. who's, was, who's very um, easy to talk to and understanding of the situation. Yeah. And yeah, that was great. I mean, I talk about it all the time on the podcast, but counseling is in so many ways, like if you have a good counselor, it's like hearing what you want God to say to you sometimes in an audible voice, but like yeah. you're just, it's not like there's some magic words that they're saying, but a lot of times just having that sounding board to go um, and share what's on your heart and to yeah. give you some good practical advice. Um, well, I have loved chatting with you. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, I always love talking with you stuff. Yeah. And I know we'll continue chatting later on this evening, but yeah. I appreciate you sharing. Um, it means a lot to be able to talk through some of this stuff with you. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll make sure I edit out all the stuff that was oversharing. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to not do it. I mean, honestly, though, I knew this topic was important. Yeah. And I knew that there are people that need to hear this stuff. 
I didn't know how much needed to be shared, but I think that, um, you know, I'm hoping that what is said, God will take the good stuff and that's what lands on people's ears and they, they hear it and receive it. But I hope that this is all honestly received in the manner in which it was intended, which is just to be an encouragement to people who are in this and hopefully for married couples in ministry, because I wasn't hired by any of the churches, but I was very profoundly affected by each one of them. Yeah. And yeah, it's important to try and be on the same page with your your spouse and and to mostly be on the same page with God. Yeah. So thank you again. I love you. Love you too. I loved chatting through all of this stuff with Phil. Sometimes it can feel so challenging to see God's faithfulness when you're in the thick of it. But make no mistake, God is not only there, He's in the process of redeeming what the enemy meant for evil. God has been incredibly kind to us in bringing us to a place that I would have never imagined just a few years ago. Praise God for His infinite wisdom. If you enjoyed this episode, please head over to Apple Podcasts and leave me a rating and a review. And while you're there, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode. And check out my husband, Phil Baker's podcast, Reclaiming the Faith. He explores the core issues facing us today and how the early Christians would have dealt with those issues. You can find it on reclaimingthefaith.podbean.com or on Apple Podcasts. And check out his book, New, Wineskins and the Simple Words of Christ, available on his website or on Amazon. You can find me on faithfulpodcast.podbean.com or on Instagram at faithfulpodcast. Thanks for listening, and remember to stay faithful, friends.